Secure your Victory Club Half membership now for the 2022-23 season. Receive tickets to 20 Stars home games, plus exclusive perks, great flexibility, and big savings. Learn more at DallasStars.com slash Victory Club. Welcome to the Podman Rush, the official podcast of the Dallas Stars. Here's your host, Daryl Razor Ray. All right, prancing in with the confidence of a four-year-old in a Batman t-shirt. We are ready to go again. Welcome one and all to the Podman Rush, presented by Truly Hard Seltzer. Yes, the bidding war for presenting sponsorship of the hardcore and effervescent Podman Rush was won by our friends at Truly, and we thank them for it. And with the oodles of extra cash we have commandeered, a third microphone this week. So it'll be yours truly, brought to you by Truly Hard Seltzer, and Mike Heike, and joined by the soft-spoken yet firm-inquiring Matt DeFranks. From the Dallas Morning News, Maddie, welcome and thanks for coming on today. Thanks, Razor. That's a that's a new introduction for me. Yeah, it was strong, to very yeah. strong. Look, before we get into the three and O stars, I'd like to ask each of you how much better it has been for you, you scribes, in the non-Zoom open room uh, player and coach access world that we're once again living in and and Matt I'll let you go first how's it been for you uh it's been much better kind of uh took a little bit of adjusting to at first (laughs) honestly you figure out where to stand in the room again you're out of the way but you're still able to talk to people and you got to watch out for the logo in the middle and the badge going around and (laughs) the smell in that room um but it's been uh, a lot better in terms of being able to to talk to people about just kind of random things that you find some story ideas here and there about just you know whatever is going on in in their life or small things in the game um so i think it's been it's been a welcome change after the last few years for sure mike uh same thing i like watching matt uh, as he interacts with certain individuals i think he and uh radic fox have a lot in common uh you know newly married and whatnot and uh uh, just even yesterday, uh, there was some fun with Tyler. I was asking him about uh, Rick Bonus's Corvette, and and Tyler had the Ford GT, and just if they ever raced. And uh, he he said uh, that uh, he thought uh, he his car could take uh, Rick's little Corvette. Uh, so he never did race, but uh, he was very confident in his GT and stuff like that. You just didn't get before. Are you guys like all of us where? You don't want to, but you you look back at at just the cumbersome nature of how we were plying our trades in in COVID and in the bubble and that, and just think, man, that was insane. How do we even do that? Yeah, I was actually thinking about the whole rink setup the other night. Remember when they took away the glass behind the bench <laughs> put and then in put nets? it, yeah, and then put the, <laughs> the glass in like the tenth row behind the benches. Yes, I was I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, man, that looked weird. That looked weird as when, hell. When I've been walking in to the arena, uh, you know, because we we enter down below, I honestly think about masks. I still think about masks. I'm like. You know, do I need to have? And then I'm like, no, you don't need to have a mask on. Just stroll on in, Mike. It's been good for you. 
Uh, yes, very much yeah. so. Um, yeah, yeah. One of the oddest things, and it really isn't odd, is the fact that we watch games with very few or no fans in the building. And, I mean, it, like when you look at kind of what we do, why do we do pro sports? And, you know, TV is a big element of it. You know, th those uh, it, It's TV a huge element of it, Mike. Those TV foofs, they, they, I think they think they're more important than they really are. But they the are. fans are the biggest part. And, and I really do enjoy having them in the building. And I think mm. it, it changes the dynamic of the entire presentation. It, it does, and it is, uh, it's just the no normalcy of the beginning of this uh, season. And, hey, how about with uh, – there's been a lot of talk about the fan base here because we've got a new coach, new coaching staff, and what you just stated, Mike, about how we had to live with – you know, at, we led the league, I think, in attendance with, at, at like 4,600 uh, in, the, in the bubble. But – it is one of the better atmospheres in the league. You guys go around uh, and you guys sit in sort of a, a a perch. Not that you're not working during the game, but but you're not doing what I'm doing or we are doing. So you have a little more time to observe. Uh, it's got to be, it's got to be easily in the top five in the league, if not higher, for environments. Yes. I would say yes. Uh, it's funny because uh, Pete came from San Jose and, and Vegas. Uh, so those are two, I think, of probably the top five, typically, although San Jose's died San down Jose a San Jose has drifted. Vegas? Yeah. Vegas is Vegas. Vegas is Vegas. Uh, but it's surprising. And, and even back in the day, uh, we had some of the guys who came in and said that Reunion Arena was the loudest arena in the league. And they're just very impressed with the fans here. I think Pete has been very impressed with the fans here as well. Like, you know, you come in as a visitor, you get a, kind of a little eye of it. But then you, when you're here every night in a Sunbelt city, and it's pretty much packed every single night. Yeah. Uh, that, was, that was a Monday night game last night. And, and you know, it, there was great energy. Yeah, I don't know about top five, to be honest. Uh, I knew you would throw water on it. I knew you'd toss Pete, a big of cold on, water. Man. No, no. They, I was trying to run through the whole lead in my no, head. No, this is well. nice. This is why we have Matt on for a, a little a He's counterbalance. He's going to say Florida's better. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, I do th so I think Montreal, uh, Nashville, Vegas. Nashville? Over here, that's a that's a good that's a good building. What do we need a band? Is that is that put them over the top? No, Have no, a no, live just more, band. Just more banners <laughs> for each individual uh, and the fans. Yeah, and I, I think maybe not this year, but previously Chicago was is pretty good environment. Uh, Colorado, it gets really loud in there. Um, definitely not Florida, Mike, but. T Tampa can get pretty loud as well. I don't know. Yeah, you're defeating yourself as you talk, aren't you? He's pushing the stars into the bottom five. I know. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Anyway, yeah, I'll get it. Hey, do you think the players are really excited to have you guys back inquiring in the room? <laughs> are, you, are you getting that sense, Matt? Yeah? That they're uh, thrilled? No. No, no I, I, me I, I, I think they enjoy making fun of us, but yes. not everything else. What has been thrilling is DeBoer's stars have opened 3-0, and uh, which, I mean, look, it, it, hasn't, it hasn't been perfect, certainly in their eyes. It's looked near perfect, though, to our eyes. 
What has been your number one impression from week one, Mike Heike? Uh, if you look down on it, there are a lot of mistakes out there. And Pete assures us every day that they have plenty <laughs> of work to do. Uh, but boy, it's fun to watch. Uh, you know, they, as much as I think Hitch actually mentioned this in one of his press conferences, you know, where he said, uh, you know what, we may only get one shot on goal, but they're going to get none. And he embraced that. He loved that. And I think Rick, to some degree, embraced the same thing. It's an old school philosophy where we play such good defense uh, that they're not going to get any shots in goal. But that's not a fun way to watch hockey. And so, like, I'm watching Mason Marchment uh, last night, and he's just all over the place. He does 100 good things. He does 50 bad things. But it's all very interesting. Um, and I think that's the key to me is this is a really fun way to play hockey. All right. So Mike likes the fun aspect of it, Matt. He's he's into the uh, the the thrilling uncle uh, view of Dallas Stars under DeBoer. How about you? What what has struck you? Yeah, I think I'm going to go with a cousin of that. It's that it's where where they've generated the offense and a lot of it's been on the rush. Uh, that that home opener against Nashville they scored four goals off the rush, which is something they didn't do at all last season. And even last night, you know, I, I turned to Mike and I think the shots were 15 to 12 at some point. But I was like, this doesn't feel like a game that has 15 shots and 12 shots because mm. of all the chances that both sides had. And it wasn't just just Dallas. I mean, they had Winnipeg had a lot of a lot of good chances, especially in the first period. And so I think that's been kind of different in that maybe the shot counts aren't where past teams for Pete DeBoer have been, uh, but the chances and high quality looks uh, have been there uh, and, and on both sides last night for sure. Yeah, it was starting to trend in that direction for the first time. I mean, again, three friggin' games that we've witnessed, real games anyway, but it was trending toward what uh, DeBoer's teams have have always been like to me, you know, watching them where they essentially wear teams down with that, that very aggressive in your face, uh, you know, attacking defense and offense. And then the other side just sort of buckles a little bit under it. Cause when, before the stars got into some penalty trouble, I mean, I looked up and it was almost a two to one advantage in, in shots. And then it even back up because they had basically the third period on the on the power play. But I, I, that was the first time I saw where it was it was truly slanted and and moving in that direction. Didn't seem like it was going to change at all as they moved along. And to to your point, Matt, like high event hockey is the best hockey. It, it just it just is. Make things happen. Try. Uh, you're going to make mistakes. Live with the mistakes try to make fewer mistakes than the other side and and you're forcing the other side to make these errors all over the ice and see if they they can hang with your your pace uh, and we've seen it in past where you can get you can get too carried away one way and your structure is basically can your goaltender stop 40 and defensively and and that's not good and i i said this at the outset this year at I really sense or hope uh, that they're going to be a team that is around top 10-ish on both sides of it, goals for and goals against. And if they have the type of special teams that we've seen so far this year, man, they're going to be a really difficult collection 
of humans to deal with. Uh, Rick, always, Rick always said, yeah, it was 40 shots against, but they weren't really good shots. And, you know, I get that, but boy, that's a that's a bad way to watch hockey. Oh, we're going to just push them all to the outside and they're not going to get any really great scoring opportunities. Pete, Pete had a real good answer. I, I, I loved this one yesterday. I asked him in our exclusive uh, aside that we are afforded with television uh, about shots and how he parses shots on goal. And he mentioned that the shot totals can be psychological in the game. I'd never really thought about it, but I I probably have thought about it uh, in, in my own little cave up top that you can look up there as the opposition, you're like, man, we are getting throttled. Look at the shots on goal. And it can have an effect. Whether they're the type you were just speaking of, Mike, or or not, the, the cumulative effect of that psychologically, I think, does have an effect within games. One, you know, it can be good or bad, but more times than not with his teams, it's been on the good side of things. And I think there's a, there's a struggle in the minds of others uh, to to get over the hump, even if somebody's telling them, you know, they're getting it all from the outside. Yeah, well, they're getting a lot of it. And bad things can happen when you allow that volume of of rubber at your net. Another strong comment by me. Go ahead, weigh in, <laughs> Matt. Matt, how do you feel yeah. about uh, Daryl's uh, strong comment? <laughs> I, I do think that the one thing that we've might have overlooked in the first three games that the the lead apparently did not was uh, Jay Dottinger. I think because he hasn't faced, you know, a, a lot of, uh, he hasn't had to make a lot, a lot of big saves or heroic saves like he did in, in the playoffs, but he's just been steady and allowing one goal game for the first three games is, I wouldn't, I don't want to say the expectation for him, but it's not a, a surprise or anything like that. So I think that is something that if the stars can get that, obviously they'll be in great shape, but something that we are also focused on the offense and the way that they've played and the depth scoring that I, mm. I think that I've just forgotten about how well Jay Dottinger's played in that so far. It's a good point because the, his, his play back there has not allowed any momentum whatsoever to take place for the opposition, whether it was the two games against Nashville or early in, in the contest against the Jets last night. Uh, he, he just truly looks like he's in command of the position right now and a lot of there there've been a lot of saves to me that he's made look routine that haven't been and and that's a a great trait in your goaltender that means that he's really on more so than you know splaying around and and making the spectacular over and over again so it's a good point by you that He's been he's been as much a part of this three and zero start as the spread offense and getting to four every single night. And I think psychologically, like you pointed out with the shots, when a, when a team like Winnipeg goes in and and Jake just eats up a shot like it's no big deal, you can see him hang their heads. I saw that a couple times last night. Either they were upset they shot it right into the chest, or just the fact that the goalie made it look pretty easy. Like you know, yeah, is that all you got? Yeah, thanks for concurring with me, Mike. I appreciate that. Uh, that was a good point by me, it. I think. Matt, Matt, I wanted to ask you about that. The quote you got from Rope Hints grew some rather thick legs quickly about, about the offensive blue line, basically entries. Did you think 
like I did when I listened to it and I read it, that it was it was misread just a little bit because, you know, he's from Finland and he's answering a question and some sometimes it it gets it gets mis uh it gets miscued a little bit that he didn't really mean it that throw bones under the bussy as it sounded yes or no yeah i mean i i think that's definitely part i mean he's very direct in the way that he he answered i think it's, um regardless of how what words were used and uh and how it came out i think the point would have remained the same if he was a native english speaker or not is that this is different from last year they carry the puck more and they don't dump it in all the time um and i think you know it, it, probably some of it was was i don't want to say lost in translation because he actually speaks good english it's just um yeah i do think some of it was because he's just being very straightforward about yeah, what blunt, right? they're doing just yeah answering like yeah we don't dump it in as as much we're gonna carry it in more yeah but, and I, so but it's, like, you know what i mean though like it kind of sounded like with other people that they want to hear whatever they want to hear for clickbait or whatever and it came off a little bit like yeah well please you know we don't dump it in every time like the the inflection uh, that people were reading into it was different, I think, than the actual answer. Yeah, and we like asked the same thing to Joe Pavelski earlier that that post game, and his answer was pretty similar. It was like, "Hey, yeah, we we made plays at the blue line, and um, it's a little bit different, but X's and O's can only get you so far, and you've got to you have to do it out there yourself." And it's similar answers in that yes, this year is different. They're not dumping it in; they're carrying a lot more. They're made looking to make plays, um, and same similar concepts it's just different wordings and yeah. i understand that words matter because i am a writer um but <laughs> but like it's just i feel like it's uh they're saying similar things in different ways let's be honest about one thing too this is a, a much different brand of hockey and i think pete yesterday said i thought it was a great quote was he said you know uh uh, we're not a one, you know, last year they were kind of a one line team. I mean, that's what the league said. And he, he goes, and I concur with that. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, they were and for three games. They're not. So as much as we want to be nice to bones and all that, and everybody who was here, they were a much different team than they have been for the first three games. And the players are going to talk about that. They're having fun. Yeah. 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 But look, they, yeah, 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 yeah. They, they, they yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it's nice to have Mason Marchment instead of uh, kind of uh, beat up Alexander Radulov or uh, Michael Raffle, who, for all his effort and everything, scored on uh, about five percent of his breakaways last year. You know, so there there are some there are some personnel uh, differences mixed in there too, along with the the philosophical, and uh, you can see though, you know, the opening. The opening 10, 15 minutes of that game last night, you're like, there, there's, there's still going to have to be somewhat of a balance between the creative exotic uh, on your way up the ice and in and the, you know what, we're going to have to play a little bit territorial here. Otherwise, we're going to have to turn tail and chase back to our, our net quite a bit. But if the, the biggest thing, and I, I said this the other night, you know, if you go back to training camp, the very first drill that they worked on 
were were exits and breakouts. It's the number one thing. You can't do what they've done and what they want to do at the attacking blue line and into the other team's zone if you can't get out of your own zone. And that was a major problem for this team at times last season and on into that series against Calgary. If you can't exit, you cannot enter. You can. You guys can pull that, use that as one of your quotes for your. I think. I think major, they're going to put that up on the locker room wall. I think that's the one we'll put in the broadcast booth wall. <laughs> if you cannot exit, you cannot enter. Razor twenty twenty two. Have you guys sensed a change in any other, maybe less obvious ways with this group in the first month and a bit of? Of this tenure? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, as far as psychologically or in other no, aspects I, I, of the well, game? One of, one of the things that that I've noticed a bit is even a guy like Miro Haskinen, who, who doesn't want to say much, you know, he's, he's a real quiet guy, but he looks like he's a little more demonstrative and maybe just a smidge more outgoing and you know, his body language in, in practice is a little bit different than maybe what it had been the last couple of years. And I, I don't know. I, I'm just I'm just looking for something a little different uh, from the, the general group. And again, we, we haven't had the access the last couple of years that we have uh, now. So you, you can't get the same sort of pulse. Uh, or you can get a different pulse, I guess, now that, than what you did before. But I'm just curious if you guys have noticed any other little subtleties. Yeah, I think uh, something that I've talked about with Mike actually the last few nights is uh, Tyler Sagan seems just so much more relaxed. Um, and I know he's always been kind of an easygoing, personable guy, uh, but it wasn't always that way around us. <laughs> so I... I think he's stop writing your stupid stories then maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I I know winning helps and being three and oh, and it's still mid October has a lot to do with it, but he seems a lot more uh, easy, easy going and willing to to joke around. And um, that's something that, you know, maybe we just haven't seen the last few years, but you know, when we were in the room, it was uh, it was there sometimes, but not always there. And right now, it seems like he's in a, a good spot and having a good time. And uh, I can the way that he's carried himself and talks to us and um, things like that, it makes it seem like he's uh, really enjoying what he's doing right now. Being engaged can help, you know. That that can and and he's mentioned it a couple of times already that it, almost in disbelief. You know, I've been here for ten years now. <laughs> Like, yeah, you know, like it's sinking into him that the man, I am, I am part of the foundation here a decade. Uh, and to your earlier point on Miro, I, I do think, and it's, it's nothing against John. John is John and John was very good and is very good at what he does, but he takes up a lot of the energy in the air in the room uh, because he, I mean, he has a big personality and he wants to be yeah. a leader and he wants to be the number one guy. And so Miro, I think, is a guy who just said, OK, if I'm on the second power play, I'm fine with that. Um, and now he's been told, hey, we need you to be more assertive. We need you to be a person who takes over. And then the coaching staff puts him in position to be that guy, too. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely have seen just a difference in how Miro uh, is going about things. And um 
It's so funny when you look, because Yossi was here in his 96 points or whatever he had, and then you look down at Miro at 30-something, you're like, whoa, this guy's not at least in the 50s or 60s, and, and I think that's going to get repaired this year. And again, just like winning, I think points help your confidence. Yeah, there there was a deferral nature to Haskin, and, you know, and, and a lot of that was what you just spoke to, the fact that John had been here and he was, you know, D-man one on the Stars number one power play and and uh and even in in Miro's play uh, there were, he would get, you know, 80% of the way up the ice and then there there was always not always, but most of the time there was a bit of a deferral. He he wouldn't be selfish. He wouldn't take it that extra little bit. He wouldn't attack and he's being encouraged to do that now and then around the team and that's pretty obvious that that he is the guy and uh I'm I think he's come out of his shell just a little bit and 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 the fact of uh the matter that we're not in in bubbles and that anymore where look the the all the fins hung out with all the fins all the time and it, it you know the it's always a little bit clicky nationality wise within a team but I mean, they they were almost exclusive to one another, and that that's probably going to uh, dissipate a little bit. And there'll be more. There just has to be more um, inner inner change with one another, depending whether you're from America or Finland or wherever. Yeah, another strong comment by me. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, the, one one of the other things. You know, there's so much talk, and there has been about about Tyler, who we just spoke of, and Jamie, and I think you guys wrote a little bit or or uh, inquired about the the minutes that he had been playing or had played. Uh, and I was thinking of this, especially last night with the Jets in town and Blake Wheeler having been stripped of his captaincy with the Jets. I think he'd been the captain since twenty. 15 or 16 is that right sounds right so basically the last decade ben and wheeler who who have locked horns a lot on the ice when these two teams have met have have been the captains of their teams and jamie is now the longest tenured captain in franchise history i mean it's been a decade that he's worn the sea i was asking him about it yesterday how he's he's changed since he was a young captain and he admitted he's become a little bit more vocal a little bit more comfortable holding guys accountable uh than maybe he was in the early days and and in very jamie ben fashion he was quick to give accolades to the horkovs and the uh um steve ott and and daly and spezza and and now pavelski and Suter, all the guys that have that have helped him and he admitted he's he's still a first and foremost lead by example uh captain but their their roles obviously Wheeler's role has really changed the uh, bones went in and I'm sure with the blessing and are in concert with management made that change up there and uh with Jamie his his role is obviously uh changing a little bit here too he, he's back killing penalties again which which I like and he's riding shotgun with the teenager. What are you guys seeing in in uh, 
in Jamie heading into the infancy of this season. And what did you make of, of what went on with with the Jets? Yeah, I think where he's at right now um, in terms of placement in the lineup is probably about right. Um, you know, a third line left wing and he's not a top line guy. And, and Mason Marchman has probably shown that he's not even a, a second line guy, which is fine. I mean, um, I think the the whole discourse around Jamie Benn the last few years uh, probably needs a, a a new look at it in terms of saying, hey, he he makes nine point five against the cap. Um, you know, he he should be producing at this amount, and that cap number is not changing. Like that's that's something that is not being fixed, right? So. And instead of just expecting him to produce at a $9.5 million cap hit, which is not going to happen, they need to get the best out of him wherever that is. And in Nashville on opening night, it was 11 minutes and 20 seconds, a team low of ice time, both uh, overall and at even strength. Um, and obviously that's picked back up since they put him back on the penalty kill. I think he's been taking some left-handed face-offs uh, to start out penalties and stuff like that. Uh but that's kind of where he is. And last year at the trade deadline, you know, when you look at what they could do and the off season, what they could do, uh, it was finding another top six guy to push Jamie down the lineup and into uh, a role on the ice that, that fits a little bit more. And um, I think that's, that's fine. I mean, they still need him to produce. Obviously they still need uh, a third story in line, which they haven't had. They haven't had a second one in the last few years. So, in order to have that story in depth, they still do need him to produce. It's just, it, it seems foolhardy to, to see him that he's going to be at a, at a $9.5 million rate. Um, and as far as off the ice, the one thing about, about Jamie that I've learned in the last, you know, five seasons is that if you are in his tribe, he will do anything for you. And that's why so many of the guys in that locker room or dressing room, I'm sorry, Razor, dressing room, no. uh, respect him so much because if you are part of his team, uh, he will respect you and do anything for you, whether that's housing you or welcoming you or anything like that. I think that's why he has so much respect there. Mm. Good points. Yeah, I'll add to it. Just, I think he reads things off the ice very quickly. Uh, he's been through the bubble. He's been through COVID. He's been through coaching changes. And, and I think he, just as a, a smart player on the ice, reads where things are going. I think he anticipates things. And it's, you know, I'm not there with him every day, but it just seems like you talk to people and they say, oh, he did this or he did that. And uh, he really cares about this team a great deal. Um, and they all do, I'm sure. But I think he really really wants this team to win the Stanley Cup and wants to do whatever he can do to put them in position to do that. And I think it's a burning desire inside of him. I mean, he he's a very big competitor, but I think he understands what his role could be in this process. Yeah, and again, it it it's it is how things have transpired, but you know, he's been the captain for for uh, a decade and he he's played for five coaches. Yeah. It's wild. You know, it really is. What did you guys make of, of what went down with, with Wheeler and the Jets? Whatever happened last year, and it's been going on since the whole Bufflin incident, uh, there, was, there was something there that was wrong. 
Um, and I don't know Wheeler, you know, from Adam. Uh, but that's the that's the place you start when you get a new coach. You you know, you want everybody on your side, and you want things to be the way you want them. Um, so. One, the fact they hired Rick, I think, is a sign that they needed somebody who could massage the dressing room. And, and two, he went out and did it. Uh, so clearly there were some issues there. And, uh, you know, I think they're, they're attacking them right now. It, it can be a tricky thing when you, you know, you, I you used to think back in the day, like, you can't just take the C away from a captain and have him play on your team. You're going to have to move him. And you usually don't get better you get you get worse that that's changed the best example of it is is Joe Thornton in San Jose and and it was Joe Pavelski that took over as captain and and Thornton you know owned it and he didn't like it none of those guys I mean their pride takes a major hit when something like that happens and uh they they made it coexist there and he made it coexist it, it could have been a mess and uh, you know it'll be in- interesting how it plays out in in Winnipeg this year with with that. But yeah, they it just <laughs> I mean we only hear the rumors in that, but it, it sounded like they needed to shake their foundation a little bit there to move forward, and that that's a big shake. Yeah, well, the, when the coach quits and says, "I can't really coach these guys," <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think there's a problem in your organization. Yeah. Uh, I thought you were going to say I don't know him from Adam Lowry. And that, that's that, what that I was thinking. That, that would have been a strong comment by you. And I missed Matt, out. And, I dropped and, the ball. And Matt, thanks for editing that. We we did not have locker rooms in in hockey. If you go in there, there is no lock. There's no lock. <laughs> there are no locks in that room. It's just a dressing room. They go into the other room where the locks are, and they can lock their valuables if need be. But they don't really need to. We don't steal from one another. Is it the only only sport with two rooms? I don't know. Is it? That's a good. No, baseball has question. one too. I think they do. Uh, I was going to say, hey, Matt, uh, Daryl is also a word guy. <laughs> Some words really upset him. I don't know. I don't know why I've always hated that one, but I have hated locker room. It is not a locker room. It's a dressing <laughs> room. They get dressed in there. Maybe it's the uh, maybe we should move a Chesterfield into there, make it Ooh. even more Canadian. A Davenport, uh, <laughs> a Davenport. <laughs> uh, okay, here's here's a I don't know a difficult but interesting little premise. Uh, you're better than I thought he was going to be in the early season, and you're he needs to get going in your early season. Matt, go. Uh, better than I thought he would be is Mason Marchment. Uh, I think a lot of it, you didn't know what, what player was going to show up uh, in Dallas after, you know, obviously a lot of injuries and a lot of production in Florida, limited minutes, and you look at the persisty stats and he's up there with the, the league's best, but you didn't know if that was just a one-year flash in the pan or if it was going to be kind of a turning point in his career to be in a top six guy. And that that opening night in Nashville, um, that was that was something. I mean, he he was... He whiffed on a shot that could have had him a hat trick, and he still almost scored. And um, I think that's kind of given the Stars a legitimate second line so far. Uh, and I've been, I've been kind of impressed by him. I would uh, add to that too, and I know you, you would just being able to overcome the emotional gut punch of losing your dad 
in in this summer as well. And yeah, he he's been he's been man, he's been great. What an addition that's been. Yeah, and I think the the emotional support structure that the stars have um, with Mason in particular kind of helps with that. I mean, he's known Steve Spots since I think he told me he said it was five or six years old. Um, he's known Pete DeBoer since maybe 15 or 16 years old. He works out with Tyler Sagan in the summer. So he's coming into an organization mm-hmm. that he he knows the, the people around. I think it, that does nothing but help, especially going through a situation like he, he's going through. Um, as far as needs to pick it up, I think I think just probably that whole third line. Um, Wyatt Johnson has the the, on, the only the uh, only goal of the season so far from that group. Uh, Dennis Duryanov. That was a power play goal too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that hasn't really been uh, a line that's been productive much at all. Uh, Jamie Ben no goals. Uh, Dennis Duryanov no goals. Johnston just the power play one. So. I think if the stars are going to continue winning, they're going to need that third line at some point to step up. Mike? Uh, I really had low expectations, and I thought, you're really going to try and replace John Klingberg with Colin Miller? I, I thought yeah. there was disaster written all over that. But uh, one, the group of six has stepped up, and two, I think he found his spot. Um, history is he's a very good defenseman, and apparently he's had injuries, uh, but he was also a healthy scratch last year. So one, I think he's got a fire inside of him that he wants to prove some people wrong, and, and two, I think he's got some talent that he can use for that. Uh, yeah, and the other one would be Dennis. Um, it's so interesting watching him because everybody inside the locker room says uh, he's just he's a happier person. He's got a lighter step. He really wants to do this, and yet he gets to the place where he needs to do it, and he doesn't do it. I mean, even just in handling pucks at times, he, he looks like his hands are not there. Uh, so that that would be the one guy I think needs to pick it up. Yeah, I mean, there. are there it was such expectation with, you know, a clean slate, new staff, a system that is, you would think, Taylor made for his game where wingers are going to uh, take off and, and they're going to play up-tempo and skating and they want to score and, and try to attack and that, and it just hasn't happened as of yeah. yet. His hand, his hands don't look like they're keeping up with his feet right now, or just the the pace of play, and and you know that could be early in the season problems, yeah. or it could be that he just doesn't think the game as well as some of these other guys. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's a it it's a go go, and maybe it is just too much in his own head at this point, and he can break out of it. I hope so. Yeah, uh, it would really it would really help. Uh, yeah, so those are, those are good guys. I I'm the same. Similar on on Colin Miller, I I, I think he's been fantastic because he adds he adds a, a sandpaper element uh, yeah. a, along with you know skill uh, the ability to to move pucks and and play the game they they want to and and that that whole decor in general's had a had a real strong start to the season the the kid Niels Lundqvist has has been fantastic uh, in a lot of different ways so yeah i mean it's hey it's sunshine and puppy dogs right now around here no question but they are heading to canada october autumnal those rabid greasy canadians north of the border we're gonna go trains planes and buses and in your case matt probably the odd uber 
Oh, yeah. What should we be looking forward to as the stars embark on their first sojourn of the season? Uh, well, I mean, I, I want to see Scott Wedgwood at, at some point. I think we are in the next four games because um, I thought he was really good in training camp. I thought he was kind of challenged uh, to some extent by Anton's health. And and I really am curious because as good as Jake has been, I, I'm not sure if they want to play him 60 or 65 games. Um, so That's at a good some point, point. Time- what, do you, what, what do you think the, the breakdown would, if they were drawing it, up, which they have done, what do you think the breakdown would be as to how many starts they want Otter to have and how many nights off? I, I, depending on how the schedule goes and how he looks, I think last year he looked worn out when Wedgwood came in and that was a, a big key. Uh, but I'm guessing 55. Um, and that way, you you know, if you do indeed worry about him being healthy for the playoffs or, or at least just full of energy for the playoffs, then that would be it. But he is 23. He's a great athlete. He seems to want to be out there all the time. So it, it's going to be uh, an odd target because this is his first real, you know, 80 yeah. game season where he's mm-hmm. the guy. And so they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to make mistakes along the way and, and you know, there's a chance that, you know, and again, I thought he did last year. There's a chance he's going to hit the wall at some point in time. Yeah, I think in that 55 to 60 range probably feels about right. Um, yeah, I think last year in the last half of the season when he was starting almost every night, he had a few back-to-backs in there. Yeah. The start numbers were up there with Hellebuck and Markstrom. And those are two guys you probably don't want to have the same number of starts as just in terms of health and performance in the playoffs. Um, so I think you're probably going to want to back down on that a little bit. And I think 55 is probably pretty fair there, Mike. Why, thank you. Way to go, you guys. I'd play <laughs> all of them. I'd play them in every one. I know. You're, you're an old school goalie. I'm being facetious. I, I Look, if Scott Wedgwood comes in and plays the way he did last year, it, it's a perfect tandem. Because Wedgwood has the ability with his style and his mentality to just steal games. And look, when you're the backup for a young burgeoning superstar like Ottinger, you're, you're not getting prime starts. You're getting a lot of the junk and garbage. And it's like, okay, you haven't played in 10 days, but we need you to be our best player tonight. Go. That's just the nature of the, the backup position. And he seems to excel at it. Uh, yeah, so, he, embra- he embraces it. I yeah. think. I mean, he's very happy to be the backup goalie. Like to him, that's that's really stepping up for where I think he's been at, at different times in his career, and the backup goalie for a pretty good team. What else should we be looking forward to on this trip up north and out east? For for me, uh, I I really want to see how many Stars jerseys there are in Toronto. Uh, this team has so many Ontario boys on it. They oh, have an Ontario oh, line. Yes. Um, and between Johnston's first trip back to Toronto, and I, I don't know if, if Ty Delandria has played in in Toronto yet, and maybe the Robertson Bowl too. <laughs> um, I think it'll be interesting to see how many how many Stars fans are in Toronto for that game. And then the other thing, well, I, I want to there'll be less Leaf fans after losing to the Arizona Coyotes last night, so we know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I do also just want to get a, a better read or feel for mm-hmm. the team. I mean, this isn't going to be what the group is throughout the entire season. That's just not going to yeah. happen. Um, you know, and 
So I, I, I root for one team at this point in my life, and it's Notre Dame football, <laughs> which is uh, wow. unfortunate this season. Hard on yeah, you. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. But the thing as a fan that I try to, to keep in intact is when, when preseason happens and all the training camp reports are coming out, I just want to keep expectations where they were before training camp. And with this start for the Stars, it's something that I see what they, they can be. I see the potential of what they can be, but that doesn't mean that they'll be that throughout the entire season. And so I want to see what what they're going to look like for most of the season and not just a, a hot first weeks. And, and I think we'll get a better look at that as the more games happen. Yeah, I, I look at it game by game, and each one of these games on this trip had has something that titillates you in the broadcast world. I mean, it's Toronto. Um, it, it's such a, uh, over the top love hate. I mean, they're the Dallas Cowboys of hockey. There's no question. Um, and they're already calling for, you know, jobs up there and everything after a semi stumble to the season beginning, it, you know, they're in semi cap hell, but then you, you have Austin Matthews who put on a show when they were down here and we haven't been up. It feels like it's been forever since we did a game up there in, in Toronto. So that, and with all the Ontarioites that are involved, Western Canada representing Jamie and myself, and that's about it. Uh, then you move to Montreal and just seeing all the, uh, you know, they're not a great team, but they're going to play. You want to see wide open, <laughs> you know, they're, they're going to play under Marty St. Louis, uh, uh, real get after it uh let's just let it all hang out kind of style and there's nothing better the one thing i noticed on the schedule and i i can't remember the last time that stars were on hockey night in canada which is still a thing uh, a couple of times in the opening you know month of the season but they're gonna be you know they have saturday they have a saturday night game i believe in edmonton coming up as well, along with with this trip, then you you know you go into Ottawa and there's all the expectations of that young growing uh, base there, and uh, that that should I'm I'm just fat, fascinated to see how quickly they're going to be what people assume they're going to be, and they want it right now, but they got a ton of young talent, and then we go into Boston and the guy behind the bench there used to be behind the bench for the stars in, in Jim Montgomery and they're off to a strong start. So it, it has, it has a lot of storylines and that that's what we cheer for in our little broadcast world. We just want easy storylines, make our job a lot easier. They ruined it last night when bones got COVID and we couldn't tell that one all game long. It's a hard life for you. Darryl. It is, <laughs> it is, you know, it, it is a truly a torch that I carry proudly, but it flickers from time to time, Mike. It really I can does. imagine it's that hard travel. I don't know. Did they get you the right meal in your first class seat? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, I still, I, f I feel for Matt because he truly is the old school uh, scribe warrior. Uh, and, uh, you know, the way we travel it, it could not be slicker and better. Jason Raymond, who takes care of everybody. And it, it's just the volume of travel that gets to you. But man, yeah. man, the way we travel is, 
and even you know you're talking about wearing down individuals and and that you're like wearing down like there's <laughs> there are more people to cater to these guys than there are players that we travel with so they should be able to get through it these highly trained highly compensated young athletes did you did you not have a 5 a.m flight out of nashville on that friday you no know, i did not i had no, i had that's a, that's i think a i shame. had 7f reclined and watched a movie <laughs> uh, if that means anything and i did i had i had a, a handful of the pre-flight food but i didn't i didn't circle one of the meals uh that that I had afforded to me, I decided not to eat. So if that makes you feel any better, Matt. I mean, I was asleep when they came by with the peanuts, so I didn't eat either. <laughs> yes, we're in the same boat. I did have to walk. Uh, I, I had it at about 35 yards to my car once we had landed. So hashtag Razor's a warrior uh, for you know getting through that kind of arduous travel early in the season. All right. All right jocularity aside thanks for doing this matt uh love your insight you can read his stuff in behind the paywall at the dallas morning news how much is it to get around the paywall or over it i have no idea well it's not much is what i'm <laughs> no, it's trying not. It's, to allude to yeah they've done a good job there they have and there's so much uh information and and hard work from uh sports day you need to get to so you know pay the pennies and get there keep matt with us uh and we'll have you on again we pay handsomely on this podcast as you know <laughs> and mike thanks for being you we look forward to all the stuff you're going to provide up in canada i look forward to it as well uh, you are coming aren't you yes that's the plan yeah okay <laughs> just, just you never know to, you know day to day just trying to make sure i wondered whether you're going to maybe uh, camaraderie travel with Matt up there but kick it old school I think we're taking the train from Toronto to Montreal <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to dismount here and people are clicking off as I'm speaking this has been episode number four can you believe that Heike no we've done four already episode four of the Podman Rush presented by truly hard seltzer we'll talk to you from the great white north everybody see ya You've been listening to The Podman Rush with Daryl Razor Ray, an official production of the Dallas Stars. To stay up to date on all things stars, visit DallasStars.com or download the official NHL app today. If you cannot exit, you cannot enter. Gear up for game day and every day at the Hangar Team Stores. From hats to jerseys, tees, and more, the Hangar has the best selection of official stars gear for every fan. For a location near you or to shop online, visit HangarHockey.com.